today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Let's welcome Pastor Josh. Thank you, sir. What's going on? How is everybody? How good is God? You know, I, you know, as I look around church every, every Sunday, I'm so blessed by the stories that I see. And, uh, you know, God, God's, he's, he touches everyone, but he doesn't touch you just with a gift or with a, with a talent. He touches you with a great story. And I, and I think that the, the, um, the will of God is seen in episodes. And uh, we're all part of a great episode of what God's doing on this great planet. And uh, it's, it's, it's encouraging to see what he's doing around the place. And be encouraged that, that uh, God wants to use you in, uh, some, in a work that he's doing right here. And uh, he, he, wants, he wants to bless someone through your hands, through your, through your voice, through, through everything you're doing. But sometimes he needs to give you a bit of a nudge, and it's a little bit uncomfortable. And I've got a picture up on the screen there of uh, my swimming pool yesterday afternoon. And... Uh, and uh, it, it, it'll come up at some point, and uh, and there it is. There's a little family of seven ducks, and uh, there's five little ducklings. There's the drake, and what's the mama duck called? Duck. Anyway, as you can see, with the uh, with the lack of rain recently, and the the, uh, the uh, you know 200 mils of rain that we've got in our rainwater tanks, uh, we haven't been able to top up our pool lately. And so, so the water's getting down. And this whole family of ducks who, you know, love come and, you know, depositing some, some uh, nitrogen and other, you know, elements into our pool, jumped in as they usually do. And then that once they'd had a play for a while, the two adult ducks jumped out and the five little ones could not get out of the pool. So these five little ducks are trapped in our pool. And uh, I took it on as my responsibility to help them get out of the pool. And... Uh, you know, I'm glad Kristen didn't video it because, you know, it, it, it turned into this me versus the ducks instead of me helping the ducks. And, and uh, the two mum and dad duck turned on me and I became, I became a predator instead of a rescuer. And eventually I came up with this amazing idea to pull the pool cover over the pool so that they could jump on the pool cover and then just walk off. Anyway, so Kristen helped me pull the pool cover over and... Uh, and four out of the five little ducks jumped on the pool cover and one jumped down underneath and swam under them. We couldn't find the fifth duck. Anyway, we're frantically pulling arms back and forth and I'm poking things with the pool. The pool, And the, and the mum and dad duck are quacking at me angrily. Have you ever heard an angry quack? It's, it's kind of like the normal quack, but louder. And they... Eventually, these little duck family got out of our pool and uh, we set them free. But, yes... Thank you, thank you. The crazy thing was, the duck family still hated me, and they, they did not appreciate that my whole job was to rescue them and to, to lift them up out of, out of this, this, um, this pool that they were trapped in. And isn't it interesting that when God wants to use us, sometimes uh, he needs to poke and prod us for a while to get us into the right place so that we can actually get out of the funk that we're in and into the episode that he wants us to be living in. 
And, uh, but, and, but you don't necessarily appreciate God in the process. It almost becomes, sometimes the, the ways of God become offensive to you as he nudges you into your destiny with God. Everyone, anyone ever felt God's push, God's nudge, you know, and it's, and it's actually been something that in the flesh is offensive. But after you've got out and you're free, after you've got out of the swimming pool and you're in the story and you're off again doing your thing, you look back and you go, ah, I see what he was doing now. Last week I mentioned a, a thought that I had. A, um, you know, we're in communion, and I had a thought, and I and and I thought, and I presented it as a word, and and the thought was this: that Jesus, when he was he when he was um, when he was going through the the passion period, he was there, and he could he carried the sins of the world. And this is what I said. I said, but he couldn't carry the cross. And here, this is the challenge that I, that I presented to us, is that, that Jesus could carry the sins of the world, but he couldn't carry the cross. And, th- and it really, uh, that night, that I, last Sunday night, I couldn't let it go, that I said that Jesus couldn't do something. It, it actually disrupted me this week to the point where uh, I, I really um, had to dig deeper and, and a message of, I believe today's message has come out of me disrupting myself you notice how sometimes you'll say something and when the words come out of your mouth they'll disrupt you to the point where you've got to dig deeper into God and you'll, you know, when you, you have this thought and you go that sounds amazing and then it comes out of your mouth and it's disruptive and I was disrupted because I thought Jesus couldn't carry his own cross and I thought you know I, there's examples in the Bible of of um, you know, Jesus went to Nazareth, and uh, it says he couldn't. He, he did. He only did a few. He laid hands on the sick, and, and a few were healed. He didn't do a lot of miracles there. And also says in Psalm, I think seventy eight, that, that that they says the people that the people they limited the Holy One of Israel. So you know, there's there's some examples of of God being limited, but um, it's generally about lack people's lack of faith, or people's people. Um, you know, who, who don't necessarily believe in him. But, but, but today, let's just have a look at, look at this, this story. And it's in John 19. We're going to do two verses because it crosses over in two of the Gospels. John 19 and Luke 23. I've got them up on the screen so you don't have to flip through. And it says, simply says this. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified. And the soldiers took him away. This is in John 19, 16. Carrying his own cross, he went to Golgotha. And then we jump to, to Luke 23, 26. And now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Interesting that Jesus, he, he, he didn't carry his cross. He carried the weight of the sins of the world. He carried the spiritual burden of the world, but he didn't carry the cross. He didn't carry the thing that, 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 that the physical side of things, he carried the spiritual side of things. And you, we know Jesus' purpose was, was clear on earth. We, 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 read, you know, we, we read in John 3.16, simply this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus' purpose, his responsibility on earth was to carry the spiritual burden of the world, the sins of the world, so that relationship could be restored with, his, with our Heavenly Father. His purpose was clear. His purpose was clear, it was spiritual, it was eternal. But here's the other thing, while he was here on earth, he walked in amazing power. 
He, walked, he, he did some memory. He turned water in. He turned water into wine one day, and he raised Lazarus from the dead another day. He fed 5,000 people from just a few, few, few loaves of bread and fish, and he, he did amazing things everywhere he went. He, t- he touched people's lives, and people were restored. You know, he, some people were, were healed of leprosy. Some blind was, were, were, um, could see again. He, everywhere he went, his power was evident. And it's, I thought it's interesting that his power was evident everywhere, but he didn't carry his own cross. He didn't show his, when he was at his most, um, you know, when he was at the pointy end of his ministry, when he was at the pointy end, when, he was, when he was, his purpose was very clear, he didn't do the physical thing, did he? He actually took the burden. He, he, the burden was carried by someone else and he took the, the burden of, the, of our sin and our spiritual well-being and our relationship with God. He took all that on his shoulders and took it to the next level there. I want to suggest to you today that this picture of Jesus carrying the spiritual weight of the world but not the physical weight of the cross is quite significant to us. It's quite significant to us because, you know, as we... As we um, live out our life as believers and also humans, uh, there's this tension between heaven and earth. You know, we pray, we pray the Lord's Prayer, Lord, your kingdom come, your kingdom and your will come on earth as it is in heaven. So there's this, there's this you know, like that we, we call it the already but not yet kingdom. We see, we see aspects of God's kingdom. We, see, we pray that his kingdom will come on earth and his will would come you know, on earth as it is in heaven. So we, we talk about his, his kingdom, his power, his authority, and we talk about his will, which is his purpose and his, his reason for, for creation and, and redemption. So we talk about those things, but there's this constant tension. And it says, and I said last week, I said Jesus could not carry his cross. Do you think Jesus could not carry it? Or was it more that he did not carry it? Sometimes we, you know, we, you know, God allows with his will what he could quite easily resolve with his power. Because God's power is always in the direction of his will. See, God has a great purpose. God has a great purpose and his, and his, his power knows no bounds. He can raise the dead. He can, he can turn water into wine. He can make blind see. He can, he can make the lame walk. He can, he can do all things. Yet he doesn't do all things with his power because he, he has a will. And his will is his purpose. And his purpose is that we would be restored into relationship with his heavenly Father. You know, I heard a story of... Um, a police brutality story recently and and there's a lot of there's a, every time a police does something that's outside of of the of their the, their purpose if they're brutal with someone if they're they're rough on someone they get taken to the extreme challenge more so they get the they get a public persecution don't they even more so than anything else because what happens is, is they've got authority they've got They've got skills, you know, they've got fighting skills, they've got weapons, they've got the, the, the uh, what's the electric one? They've got the taser, they've got the gun, they've got, all the, they've got all the power, but their purpose always defines where their power is used. And if, if they ever use their power outside of what their ordained purpose is, then they're in deep trouble. And I want, to, I want us to... to I want us to look at our Heavenly Father today and say our job is, is, to, is to walk in His purpose 
and use his power accordingly. Our job is to, is to see, what, Lord, what are you doing? Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. You know, he's, 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 he's got power to do all these different things, but he only does what he sees the Father doing. Why? Because his, father will, his Father's will drives everything that he does. And Jesus is in a very significant episode of the story of, the, of the story of God. And he comes and he's got a very clear purpose, and his purpose is to restore relationship between heaven and earth, between you and God, between your neighbor and God, between your children's 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 children and God. So God's purpose is his will and his power and his purpose are never apart. So it's significant, church, that my life revolves around his purpose. We see Elisha and Elijah in the Old Testament. The story of Elisha is, is the protege of Elijah. And Elijah, you know, the, and, and, and as El, when Elijah passes, Elisha is about to receive the mantle of Elijah. And he's going, to take, he's going to become the prophet of Israel from that point on. But here's the thing. What needed to happen at that point is, is that Elijah needed to not be distracted by the power of Elijah being taken, otherwise he would have missed out on the mantle that God had for him to take. You see, when Elijah, he was, he, Elijah didn't die, he was taken by God. He was, he, was, he was taken, but when he was taken, a flaming chariot came through and would have, would, with, you know, you can imagine a flaming chariot roaring through Israel back in the day, and Elisha, if he was consumed, with this flaming chariot, he would have missed the mantle, the purpose that God had for him for the rest of his life. You see, God's power in that moment was about Elijah, not about Elisha. See, God's power is always in the direction of his will. God's power is always in the direction of restoring relationship with God and with man. And you've heard me say before, you are not the leading role in the story. Sometimes we feel like the leading role. Hey, you can be you can be holding the microphone. You can be at the front of the race. You can be you can be the the the, the leader or the CEO of your company. You can be the greatest singer. You can have the best um, pedals known to the worship team for your guitar. You can have you can you can be you know you can think you're the front man, but the reality is we are the support actors in the great story of our heavenly Father. And it's his purpose and it's his will that we need to surrender to today. We need to surrender to his story. And as we do that, we get to walk, guess what? We get to walk in his power. I've got caught through my life being distracted by too many of, of the attributes of God and forgetting the purposes of God. See, you know what God wants to do to his, to his, to his people? He wants your heart to be broken for the lost. He wants your heart to be, to be physically broken for the unsaved. He wants you to see people who are, who are walking outside of relationship with him and yearn for their salvation. You see, God wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to equip you. He wants to stir up your gift. He wants to, he wants to give you all things that pertain to life. In fact, he already has. And, and he wants to do all these things. But he says, hey, in the midst of my power, in the midst of my greatness, do not forget my purpose. Do not forget my will. Do not forget who the lead role is in your life. The lead role in your life is your heavenly Father. Because sometimes if we step outside of the lead role, 
you know, sometimes we step outside of the supporting role and take on lead roles, things get out of hand. I was mulching my garden yesterday and uh, we've got a bush path that, that we built off our house there and, and I'm mulching down the sides of this pathway and, I, in, and in the process I get mulch everywhere, all over the path and I, you know, I've got to clean it all up. And Arabella walks outside and she says, oh, Daddy, you make a mess. She says, would you like me to help you clean it up? I said, of course, Arabella. So there's this big pile of mulch all over the place. Arabella walks inside. I go, where's she gone? She walks inside, comes back outside. She's holding the baby wipes. And she's, she's, she holds the baby wipes ready to help me clean all the mulch off the path. And, and, and I was thinking, isn't that a great indication of how we relate to God? You know, We're taking baby wipes to a BP oil spill sometimes. And God's saying... What you need to do is you need to align yourself with my purpose and not get caught in your power or your gift or your authority or your limited understanding of what your things... These things are great tools, but there is a greater story and our great tools that he has blessed us with need to come into submission to the great story of God because his mission is always greater. His ways are always greater. His tools are always greater. And he wants to use you. He wants you to come on board with him. And when you get on board with him, that's a great story. God's purpose in sending Jesus to us was and still is to restore harmony between us and him. That's the great story. So here is the challenge. Whatever you choose to do with your freedom and the, and the capacity that God has given you, make sure you have restoring harmony with God and people right in the mix, right in the midst. We can get caught, you know, we can get caught um, doing great things around God and miss the story of God at the same time. And, I, you know, I pray every day that God will continue to break my heart for the lost. He will continue to, 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 to cut me open every time I see the unsaved and say, look, what can I do? How can I, how can I engage with you? How can I step into your world? How can I bring the blessing of, of God into your world? Because it's, it's something that, that the purpose is more powerful than your strategy. Sometimes we can go, oh, look, if we create this sort of service, if we create this sort of, you know, this sort of place, we do, this, we do the hub downstairs, if we, do, we can do all these amazing things. But unless your heart is broken, then you're not going to do what it takes to step into someone's world and to love them the way they need to be loved. We can create a system, but God is saying what your system is, it's a baby wipe at an oil spill. And he's saying... Keep doing the system, but make sure your heart is broken because a broken heart for the lost is more powerful than any system that any person can ever create. Because a broken heart for the lost opens your eyes to see beyond the natural need. Opens your eyes to see what God is actually doing. It opens your eyes to see beyond the food you're serving, beyond the cup of water that you're giving out at Street Reach, beyond the song you're singing on the platform, beyond the, 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 the donation that you're putting in the tin, whatever, it, it enables you to see beyond those because you get clarity. You see, it's the way you do what you do that gives it purpose. Every, notice how whatever your thing is, you think everyone should be doing it. 
You know, I'm into politics. You should all be in politics. Jamie's into music. Look, you should all be in music. You should all be recording in the studio. The Lewises that, that, that are, are in Bali, every one of you should be, you know, should be stepping into Bali and doing some work with the orphans over there. You know, Ian's in cars. Every one of you should be buying a car off Ian. Some of you are prophetic and you go, man, we need more prophetic in the church. Some of you, some of you are, are teachers. Oh, we need more teaching. If we just had better teaching, people would come to know God. And God's saying, no, if your heart would align with my will, we would see people saved. And then you can use your gift. You can use my power in the direction of my will and you will see lives change. God wants to use you. But first, he needs you to surrender to his story and not try to be the lead role in your story. See, the Bible is more about your purpose than your shape. And us believers, we come in all shapes and sizes, don't we? We come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. We come with ideas and dreams and gifts and talents and, and skills and, and all these different things. And as, and as they... As, as we, as we look at ourselves, we're trying to find where we fit. And God's saying, I tell you where you fit, you fit in my story. And at some point in time, your character will come into fruition. You've ever, you ever watch a, a, a movie and there's supporting roles and they're, they're only, some of them are only in the story from time to time. And but every now, when they pop up, they do something significant and then they disappear. Some of you are just the comedian. Your job is just to pop up, make everyone laugh and then, and then say thank you very much. Exit stage right. Some of you are the encouragers who, just, who step into the story of God when things are getting tough. Who knows that when you're living out, when your heart is broken for the lost, you need someone to encourage you in your story, in your walk. You need someone to step in and say, hey, you're doing a great job. Every, every, uh, every other week, I always say, Lord, are you sure I'm the right person for the, for the job here? And... Uh, and you know, I was thinking, am I, am I the right man here? And, and, and on Saturday night, a, a month or so ago, I was thinking, am I the right man, Lord? And, and, and then Sunday morning, I think it was Lily and Barry after church came up and said, oh, I've got a word for you. She said, I was just in worship and I felt like the Lord say, you need, I need to go up to Josh and say, you're the right man at the right time in the right place. This is the day after I have the little crying session at home. And, and but because sometimes, you know, your situation or your flesh you know, speaks to your thinking. And then God can, needs to use someone else into your story to take you back on track. He wants to use every one of you in his story. There's an episode where you're coming into the, for, into the forefront to be used and to, and to deliver a word of God. Sometimes you're a teacher and you need, to, you need to teach someone. Sometimes you need to prophesy. You need to go into someone's... You need to step out onto the street and say, hey... I don't know about, um, when I saw you, I saw someone doing something grand. I saw a grand adventure. Is there something that you've been dreaming about? You know, if that's you, God wants you to take risks according to his will and then allow his power to flow through you. You see, if we are looking for his power but not his will, we will get caught in this, in this effort to see flaming chariots and, and crazy things happen when God's saying, if you will surrender to my will, my power will be right with you every step of the way. We love formula, don't we? We love simple strategies. We love all those things. We love them more than simply being aware 
and attentive to what God's up to. You know, the greatest thing you can do is have an awareness of what God is doing around the place. The Bible says that the Word of God is living. The Word of God is living, it says. It's an interesting concept to think that the Word of God is living. What, and I, I want to encourage you this morning that, that every generation um, and every church and every community um, taps into the Bible in a slightly different way. It's kind of bizarre. You know, there's, there's the core principles that God, you know, is, the will of God is that all men would be saved. That's quite simple. That's across the board. But then he's given us, you know, there's a couple of tools. I've got four tools that, I just, that I'll throw up on the screen for you. The first thing is, is we've got the gospel of Christ. We've got the scriptures. These, these scriptures, have, you know, they are, they, they're not changing. They're the same. The story of God is the same. The, the liberty of the cross is still the same. But then we've got the wisdom and the leadership and the interpretation of the elders that are in the church at that point in time. Then we've got our combined and our personal stories. You know, this church and the people in this church have, their, have personal stories and have combined stories that, that are influencing the way that we're going to impact our community. And then the last thing is, is, is every community and every family has its own set of circumstances. You have a set of circumstances in your family and you also have some in your community and in your nation. And it's, these are the tools. When we read the gospel in the light of, of the wisdom and the leadership of our elders, you know, in the light of our, of our experiences and in the light of the, the culture that we live in, we get to see the word living. We get to see the word come alive because, you know, the right scripture at the right time comes alive and gives you the, gives you the confidence, gives you the... the, 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 the the energy to step out and to step into someone's world and to see them, let them hear the gospel. You know, last week we talked about you being, you are living epistles. You are the letters of God. You are the ones, your life is declaring the gospel more than you reading these words out loud to your community. People aren't going to come to your lunch meeting and hear you read the words. They're going to come to the lunch meeting and they're going to see the words of Christ in you but they're going to see the words of Christ in you when your heart is broken for their salvation. I heard John Maxwell speak recently and he said, the church is no longer the go-to place for the broken. He says, when someone gets broken in the world somewhere, they no longer step into the church, they step into a psychologist, they step into, into a, a government service, they step into, into the, a care industry, they don't no longer step into spiritual support. Which is quite interesting, isn't it? It's, it's, it used, the church used to be the direct go-to place for the broken and, and now things are changing. Which to me is not necessarily a bad thing. Because I think sometimes when the church location is the go-to place for the broken, we can give ourselves permission to not have to be the church when we go into the broken. See, the church, this is no longer the go-to place. Let's you know, I think it will become again, but it will become again as we begin being the church in our workplace, in our school, in our family, in every situation possible. When we start invading the world with the heart of God, the world will begin to come to the church again. Isaiah chapter 2 talks about, you know, in the, in the, in the latter days, you know, the, the, the people will come to the mountain of the Lord to seek his ways. 
How are they going to know where the mountain of the Lord is? Because they met someone who lives on that mountain. They met someone who blessed them, who loved them, who saw something in them, who prophesied over them, who taught them something that they didn't know, who encouraged them in the Lord, who encouraged them in their family, who, who was generous toward them. And then they come to the mountain of the Lord and seek his will and seek his ways. You see, we get caught as a church when we, we look at the Bible as following a set of behaviours. I want to suggest to you today that we don't so much follow a set of behaviours as we develop an attitude of purpose that guides our every conversation and our every act. You don't need a, you don't need a set of rules. You need an attitude that defines your words, that defines your actions. When you look at every situation, it's your attitude that derives how you, uh, that, that, that decides how you're going to respond to that, how you're going to walk in that, how you're going to bless, encourage, what you're going to say, what you're going to do. As we walk out in this way, we begin to see that life, it's about living the ordinary life extraordinarily well. You see, we want to start a fire in the church that can be seen from everywhere. It's a great story. I love that story. But God also wants you to be that fire everywhere you go. Why does that person live the ordinary life so extraordinarily well? Why is that person so encouraging as they walk through these deep challenges? Why is that person in the midst of this, this economic depression so positive and, and, and looking so fresh? Because he understands, she understands something different that man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, we're about a way of life, not living in a certain way. God wants you to be someone who, is, who lives his way, his ways. He wants you to have an attitude that's considering the big picture, that's considering God's will, that's considering God's power, that's considering God's authority, his grace, his mercy, his story. What part of your story are we in today? Lord, do you want me to, you know, when, when you think about the, the five-fold ministry, you know, you've got pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, evangelists. If you think, if you step into a meeting, if you step into, your, into a work that day, you know, pray before you go in there and say, Lord, what do you need me to be today? Oh, Lord, I, 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 do you want me to be prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? Who do you want me to be? Do you want me to start something new like an apostle? Do you want me to start something in this person's life? Do you want me to tell them? Do you want me to evangelize? Tell them directly about the cross today? Do you want me to? Do you want me to prophesy? Do you want me to speak into their future? Do you want me to just love them? Do you want me to pastor and care for them? Do you want me to teach them something? God's power is not limited to your gift. Oh, I'm not an evangelist. I'm a teacher. Oh, I'm not a pastor. I'm not. I don't have the mercy gifting. I have, you know, the direct call. You know, I I speak directly. I can't. I'm not apostolic. I can't start things. You know, I'm more in the in the um, in the other streams. I'm in more in the prophetic stream. I don't start things. I, you know, I, I I I speak into the future. I don't start things. Other people. God's saying, hey, is the spirit of God in you? Is the spirit of God in you today, church? Are you a temple of the Holy Spirit? Because the same Spirit in you is the giver of all the gifts. And He can tap into you at any time and at any place. What you've got to do is you've got to step outside of your gift and step into His story. 
And if you'll step into his story, he can do great things and he can use any gift through you. All of his power is available through his Holy Spirit, which resides in you. Let's not limit the Holy One of Israel. Let's let our hearts break for what breaks his heart. It's not a new set of mechanics that we need. It's a change of heart and a renewed mind. God's power is not his purpose. God's, your gift is not your purpose. If your purpose is restoration of relationship between God and people, you begin to look with a new way. You're not limited by your gift. You're not limited by your authority. You're not limited by your position. You are empowered by everything that heaven has. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it say? His Holy Spirit will flow through you like a river of living water. Church, it's time for us to surrender to his will. You see, we look around at the church and we say, why aren't we seeing more of God's power? We look around and we say, why, isn't, why aren't we seeing more people saved, healed, delivered, set free? And God's saying, will you surrender to my will? And step into that space that I had to step into. What did Jesus do? First thing, made himself of no reputation. He laid down his, he laid down his power and his authority and he, he became of no reputation. Why? So that he could show us how to live according to God, what God is doing. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. So if you're, if you're in someone's life, you can be anywhere, anytime, anyhow. And guess what? You're the right person in the right place at the right time how do you know you're the right person because the holy spirit can speak through a donkey he can speak through you if a handkerchief that the apostle paul blew his nose on can heal someone so can the touch from you you see our, our deal is not that 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 we get caught in the limitations of today our deal is that we're not surrendered to the almighty will of our heavenly father God's purpose is his will, which is to restore the breach. Isaiah 58 says to us, we are going to become restorers of the breach. God calls it to us. He says, go and make disciples. Very simple. Go and make disciples. So why didn't Jesus carry his own cross? Why didn't Jesus carry his own cross? Simple answer, he couldn't. You know, that's what I said last week, but man, it, it disrupted me too much for that to be, you know, sometimes, sometimes God, he needs to disrupt some old thinking. He needs to disrupt that God is limited. He needs to disrupt some thinking in your mind that you are limited by your current capacity. You are limited by what you've already experienced. You are not limited by those things. You are enabled by who you give authority to in life, by whose story you're walking according to. So Jesus, he fasted for 40 days. He raised Lazarus from the dead, but he couldn't carry his own cross. I don't think so. I think there's a deeper answer. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that makes us strong that I believe that is, is, is significant for us today. I think Jesus was living out in front of the world that we must allow others to help carry our burdens. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
You see, we all love helping other people. I love helping people. It makes me feel good. It actually makes me feel strong when I help someone else. If I can give someone some, some cash, if I can give someone a lift, if I can help someone move house, if I, can, if I can pull their car out of the mud, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel equipped and strong. But here's what Jesus did. He could have carried his own cross. He could have called 12 legions of angels to do amazing things and set him free. But he didn't. Why? Because he wanted to share a deeper truth. God is all-powerful. He's present everywhere. And he's all-knowing. But above all that, his will will be done. See, Jesus allowed someone to carry part of his physical burden. And part of you being liberated to walk in more of God's strength is to allow someone in your world to help carry some of your burden. See, there's a great story. There's a great thing that God wants you to do with him, but it's going to require you to not do it alone. It's going to require you to lean on the people around you. It's going to require you to be honest about where you're at. It's going to require you to allow someone else to carry something in your life that you've been carrying. Here's the thing. You've been carrying it for a while, and you can carry it. Here's the problem. While you're carrying some things, you cannot necessarily see the purpose of God in your life. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Let me just say this. Before we walk in his power, before we live in his presence, before we act on his great knowledge, let's all Surrender our story to his purpose. Let's surrender our story to his purpose and his will that all might be saved, that all might walk in the freedom that we walk in. Father, we just thank you for your throne of grace. Lord, this morning we ask that you'll break our hearts. Lord, there's so much that we seek in life, Lord, but this morning we seek simply that you would break our hearts for the lost, break our hearts for those who don't know you, Lord. Open our eyes, Lord, to see, Lord, beyond, Lord, the, 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 the blur of the things that we need to carry in our own lives. Help us to see the hearts that are desperately looking for a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Help us to be conduits of the power of your Holy Spirit according to your great purpose. Father, we give you glory, we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And the people of God said together, Amen. Amen.